Using everything I'd learned over the five years with my handbag company, did half a million in sales from 2006 to 2008 with this one thing. Traditional detergents actually contains more than 25 toxic ingredients. Most people don't know this. That's actually harmful for the planet, your laundry and the health. Well, we say the future of work is no longer in the future. It just got <laughs> accelerated. We empower young leaders to take action on real world problems. I'm Richard Gerhardt. And I'm Elizabeth Gerhardt. Welcome to Passage to Profit, the show all about entrepreneurs, small businesses and the intellectual property that makes them flourish. You've just heard some snippets of what's going to be on the show tonight. Stay tuned. Want to patent your invention? The chance is near. You've given it heart. Now get it in gear. It's Passage to Profit with Richard and Elizabeth Gearhart. Tonight, we have as our special guest, Sarah Shaw, a celebrity designer, CEO of Entrepreneur, and heads the podcast, Get a Street Smart MBA. And did you think that you knew how to do laundry? Well, you don't. There's a brand new product. <laughs> I definitely don't. <laughs> no, a brand new product that you're going to want as soon as you hear about it. I'm not telling you anymore. You got to listen to the Ooh. presenters talk about it. Bernard Law and Angie Tran. Laundry mystery. I can't wait. <laughs> and after that... Sam Cayucci has been on the show before with his gaming software for corporate, but he is doing just amazing things in the social space and in the corporate space. So you really want to hear this. This is the next generation of training. And after him, we have Michelle Joseph with SGAP Leaders. She is doing amazing things with kids in STEM and STEAM, and she'll tell you all about that. Yeah, I can hardly wait. But before we get to the really good stuff, let's tease our audience a little bit with some intellectual property stuff. Okay, so every week we try to find something entertaining in the intellectual property field. If that's even possible. <laughs> we know it's pretty dry. So I'm going to be looking at this. This is a United States patent that was issued in 1993 to Thomas J. Frischman. Yes, I'm assuming Thomas had children because what this is, is a struggling barrier for children. So it's a barrier that goes between two kids and they sit on either side and it holds it in place. So that's for your car, right? So I think it's for everywhere. <laughs> It shows I'm sitting on a bench. I guess today's equivalent is separate video cameras or monitors in the back of the car, right? With headphones. Well, they can still do this and hit each other. So I think the barrier's there. So quit touching me. Quit looking at me. They can yell over the barrier, though. <laughs> yes, they can. So, so they'll anyway. find a way. But yes, anyway. So on to something a little more serious. Yes. Yeah, so but still very interesting, I think. Something completely different. So we always like to talk about the importance of intellectual property on the show, since we are sponsored by an intellectual property law firm. And would that uh, be Gearheart Law? That would be Gearheart <laughs> Law. Shameless plug there. But today we're going to talk a little bit about uh, Nintendo suing the White Cat Project. Since Sam does gaming and this is in the gaming industry, we uh, thought it'd fit right in. Oh, that's right. We did think that. So Nintendo claims that five of their patents have been infringed in Japan. And so the legal battle started it in 2016, and as a consequence, they've been fighting for a while. And Nintendo originally asked for 4.4 billion yen. And for those of you who don't have the conversion handy in your head, that works out to be $41.7 million. However, because the lawsuit's taken so long, they increased the damages to about $47 million. And what's really interesting about the case is that they're actually fighting over a touchpad and a joystick controller. So when you think about patents for electronic consumer devices, these types of appliances are covered by a ton of patents. And so they're just fighting over a little small piece of the controller. At least in Nintendo's opinion, the value of that is you know, close to well over $40 million, maybe $50 million. The point is that patents can protect small pieces of technology. And so no matter how small the piece of technology, if it has commercial value, it may be worth protecting. Right. And you don't think about the gaming industry getting patents on 
a lot of stuff, but they actually do hardware and software and they're worth a lot of money. There's a lot of competition out there. That's right. Keep your inventions safe. So now on to our guest. I'm so excited to hear uh, what she has to say. Sarah Shaw. And as I mentioned before, she's a celebrity designer. She specializes in product placement with celebrities, which if you're an entrepreneur, oftentimes is one of the best ways to get recognition for your product. And if I can just take a little bit of a sidetrack here, Gerhardt Law had a client who engaged with a superstar. They were able to increase their sales almost instantly. So it's a good business strategy. So Sarah, welcome to the show. Thanks so much for having me. I'm really excited to be here with you all today. So my career started way back in the late 1990s, uh, 97, 98, and I launched a handbag company sort of out of the blue. I'd been working in film doing costumes for movies uh, right out of college. And I was having dinner one night with the costume designer that I had worked with for many years, and she was complaining and whining that she was being forced by the studio to use Donna Karen clothes on one of her actors. And that's when my light bulb went off for me. And I thought, oh my God, I'm such an idiot. Why didn't I ever think of gifting celebrities or getting my products into movies, you know? And a lot of people have said to me, well, you had all these movie connections and you dressed all these stars and celebrities. And I was like, yeah, but I didn't have their phone number. Like it all went through casting. So we just showed, you know, we booked the fitting, they showed up. I never talked to them, you know, personally. And so, as soon as I went back to the office the next day, I decided to figure out how to contact celebrities because I thought if Donna Karen's doing it, other people are going to start doing it right away and I need to get on this bandwagon because nobody else was doing it yet. And this was probably 1999 maybe or early 2000 and not everybody was online at that point. There was no contactanycelebrity.com, which you can easily find celebrity contacts nowadays. So, you know, this was kind of, you know, 411 <laughs> and figuring out, you know, which agents represented which actors and kind of going the old school route. But I started to make some connections pretty quickly and sending um, product to celebrities and actually Liv Tyler, who was a pretty big star back then from Dawson's Creek and different shows. And she actually showed up in InStyle magazine holding one of the bags that I had sent to her. And that was really the first celebrity placement that I ever had and it was amazing i started thinking how can i make money from this so making copies of the magazine sending it out to potential stores that i wanted to get into but you got to keep in mind stores mostly still weren't online at that point they didn't even have an email address so it was printing it packaging it mailing it to the store calling you know so it was very old school and i've kind of been through that seems like so long ago yeah, yeah. <laughs> but it was only about 21 years ago <laughs> so i mean which does seem long but it's been amazing like over the years to see the evolvement of that for me right i think you know when i work with clients now i'm like oh push a button and everybody gets to know what you want to say in one second right so do you actually get to meet any of the stars that are using the handbags then i never did for me it was really just a vehicle to get more sales right. and as we started to get more celebrities product and they started showing up in magazines or magazines wanted to just write about it because it was fun and interesting at that point just because no one was doing it right it was all brand new and a new way to market and then i started reaching out to films and that's when things really changed i got in touch with sony and asked if they were making any movies that needed bags and they were like oh well there's this film called legally blonde <laughs> and it's a bunch of college girls so maybe they could use bags and they connected me to the costume designer and she's like sure bring them over so i loaded up my car and just drove a ton of stuff over there they picked a bunch of bags I don't know, I left 30 or 40 bags. So it was a pretty big investment because I made my bags in Los Angeles at the time. So just left all this stuff and had no idea what was gonna happen. And then they ended up using one of my bags in the film and it actually ended up being the publicity shot for the movie. So that wow. was total luck. <laughs> so I wanna ask you, so you had bags that you did, but now you're placing all sorts of products, right? These days I do. Yep. So I use basically what I learned building my own brands. I had my handbag company and then after 9-11, my investors pulled out and I actually had to close the next year. But then I patented. I've owned a patent for a while. <laughs> now wow. it's expired. <laughs> I patented a closet organizer for handbags. 
in 2003 and then sold that for many years, licensed it, got it to celebrities, got it in magazines and was very successful with this one product in 12 colors. And in the first two years, using everything I'd learned over the five years with my handbag company, did half a million in sales from 2006 to 2008 with this one thing. <laughs> so Sarah, can I ask you a question? First of all, is there like a financial range for getting a product placement like this? And then is there a way to measure the ROI on celebrity endorsements? Okay, so let's swing back to the word endorsement first, because endorsement indicates that you're actually paying for something, right? You're actually doing a money exchange. Personally, I've never paid to ever have a celebrity use or wear my product or be in any movie. I just had to give the stuff away. So you're investing the cost of your product. These days, a lot of celebrities will just take the gift for free. A lot of times they'll just post it now with Instagram, right? It's so easy to say, oh, hey, look at this cute thing I just got, right? You know, I just was gifted this. It's so, I love it. Sarah Jessica Parker, for example, is really good at posting things on her Instagram that she gets. And she just does that for free. There's no charge associated. But lately, I've been working with some of my clients to actually do some endorsement deals. And the way that we've been trying to work it out, because they are small brands and can't afford to pay, you know, 50 or 250,000 to the celebrity to talk about the product is offering them a percentage of sales. I know handbags are big, especially in movies for women, but what other kind of consumer products are good for product placements? If I were an entrepreneur with a consumer product company, what would be my best bet for getting it placed somewhere? Let's say you wanted to get on a TV show because it's really hard to figure out what films are being shot or what's upcoming with movies unless you can get in really tight with the product placement department on films, but often they're asking for money up front, right? You have to pay. But if you kind of circumvent all of that, let's say you wanted to get some clothes, for example, to a TV show and you think, oh, you know, this character would look great in this pink top. And so you could actually look for the costume designer's name in the end credits and see what their name is and then call the studio, Warner Brothers or Universal or whoever's producing it and ask for the production office for that department. Or if you had candles or let's say it was a you know a show like cheers right with a bar they're in a bar all the time maybe you make a liquor and you want to get it on the shelf uh, maybe it's a show that takes place in a salon and you make a skincare product and they need product on the shelves so a lot of times you can just donate that to the and they'll show. just take it and use it that's amazing yeah, exactly the client that i'm thinking of they hired kim kardashian and I think they paid $10,000 for a single tweet with her holding the product, but it, it sent the sales through the roof and the product ended up, it was a lighted cell phone case and exactly. it ended up in, you know, Verizon stores and Apple stores. And that was the tweet that launched a thousand cell phone cases. Mm -hmm. It's really cool to hear that they might do it for free. That's for sure. Yeah. I mean, for a percentage of the sales, right? They kind of at that point put their money where their mouth is, right? I think I can sell this. So sure, I'll take 15 or 20% of your sales for the next six months or 12 months or whatever the contract deal is. You know, also if you're selling wholesale, right? Retail on your site, wholesale, to stores that can also lead to huge sales either getting in the media can alert and be attractive to store buyers right you know maybe you know you're looking to get in with a distributor and they see that you've had some celebrity placements because if you can also put a picture right a little framed photo of a celebrity with your product at the point of purchase that totally drives sales i used to send out you know, framed images of celebrities with my products all the time. Wow. So Kenya, I'm sure you have something to say about this. It's interesting because I was thinking about the example you gave about Sarah Jessica Parker and the Manolo Blahnik placement in Sex in the City all of those years. Like I can imagine that she sold a lot of shoes for them based on oh, yeah. that kind of placement. So what are some good product categories that do super well in a movie or in a TV show that generate a good return typically? Anything waste up. <laughs> Just because, you know, it's like one of the costume designers I used to work with, he used to say, if it looks good on my 13 inch, that's what's gonna sell. Because TV, if you notice, is mostly waste up. So tops, jewelry, hair, accessories, glasses. Any all potential your for patents and trademarks in there someplace? <laughs> Well, you know, hey, I got my patented product to tons of celebrities. So, 
Um, I never got it on a TV show, but I did get it in magazines too. You know, and this was a closet organizer. So I kind of want to swing back to that. Obviously nobody was taking it to the park with their kid, right? My closet organizer, it was in their closet, but magazines were still interested in the fact that I could get it to celebrities. And even if they put it in their closet and they couldn't show a photo of it, it didn't matter. You know, so if you make candles or soaps or, you know, bath and body products, and you can get it to a celebrity and actually get them to request it again, that's sort of the secret to getting magazines to want to write about it because then it becomes a story and kind of a trend. Or if you get it to the same thing to four or five different celebrities, and a lot of big brands do this, you know, all the couture lines, they'll send the same, you know, $25,000 handbag to 10 celebrities and then show that they're all, you know, wearing it on their arm and it becomes an instant trend. So you can create that same phenomenon with your own products, especially if it's something that's behind the scenes, right? Like, like your laundry sheets, right? Nobody's going to be walking down the street carrying it. <laughs> but at the same time, every person does laundry and there's a lot of celebrities i don't know if it's an eco product or anything but there's a lot of celebrities that would be interested in something clever and kitschy you know at the same time so we've had an absolutely fascinating discussion with sarah shaw and where can people reach you sarah oh you can find me on my website at sarahshawconsulting.com and on facebook at sarah shaw consulting and instagram at sarah shaw consulting that sounds great and you also do a podcast for entrepreneurs don't you i do called Get a Street Smart MBA, because that's what I feel I have. I do not have a business degree. I've learned it all on the mean streets of the world. And it's fun. I interview a lot of high-end celebrities, Marcus Limonis, Damon John, Barbara Corcoran, and fashion designers like Trina Turk and Rebecca Minkoff and other fun people. Well, it sounds Excellent. great. And where can people find that podcast? Either on my website or on iTunes. So we'll be right back after this message. You're listening to Passage to Profit with Richard and Elizabeth Gerhardt and our special guest this evening, Sarah Shaw. Be right back after this commercial break. What are entrepreneurs' most valuable assets? Their passion and ideas. We can't protect your passion, but we can protect your ideas. Trust Gearheart Law to protect your ideas with premier patent, trademark, and copyright services. There's never been a better time to start your own business. Contact us at GearheartLaw.com. At Gearheart Law, we have years of experience protecting entrepreneurs ideas and brands using patent trademark and copyright protection so if you have a new consumer product a new software application that you're planning to build or sell or a brand or company name that you want to protect contact the experts at gearheart law www.gearheartlaw.com don't let the wrong protection strategy ruin your business all of our attorneys are passionate about protection and are licensed and qualified to represent you before the united states patent and trademark office don't start your project without calling us first. Contact Gearheart Law on the web at G-E-A-R-H-A-R-T-L-A-W.com. Together, we can change the world. This ad has been read by a non-attorney spokesperson. Now back to Passage to Profit. Once again, Richard and Elizabeth Gearheart. And our special guest, Sarah Shaw. Coming up next, we have Kenya Gibson, our media maven from iHeartRadio. Kenya, who is on Power Move this week? Well, we're going to talk about Elon Musk and the power of the tweet. So I'm not sure if everybody caught this, but he his one tweet sent stocks soaring. He actually tweeted out that Tesla had bought 1.5 billion, uh, it's not even dollars, it's cryptocurrency. And Tesla actually plans to accept Bitcoin now as a payment form for its cars. They're the first car company to ever do this. And he's all over the news for this one tweet. Why what? am I not surprised? <laughs> <laughs> That's pretty amazing. I think that, and I, I I could be totally wrong, but I think that's the first time I've heard that a major corporation has decided to accept Bitcoin as payment for their goods, which I think gives the whole cryptocurrency a whole new level of credibility. But this is no small thing either, because those cars are super expensive. Richard and I drove one a few years ago and it was 70 grand then. I don't right. know what they sell for now. 
Right. So you're talking about seventy thousand dollars worth of Bitcoin, and Bitcoin goes up and down; it fluctuates a lot. Well, our son has been involved in trading Bitcoin yeah. recently, and it's very complicated. I mean, it's not like money. You know, it's this is twenty dollars, right? You've got to have programs and all sorts of other stuff to track it and understand it. So right, and I think he, moves like this make it a little bit more mainstream and understandable for those who don't understand cryptocurrency. Because I certainly don't. But when I heard this, I I was like, oh, it just seemed a little bit more palatable now that I know you could actually use it to buy things like a car. And I don't think it would have caught on if we hadn't left the gold standard years ago with cash because nothing's based on the gold standard anymore. So the gold standard. Yeah. You don't know what that is? <laughs> well, yeah, but that's like. <sighs> yeah. But if we were still based on the gold standard, you couldn't start another currency, I don't think. That's a question way beyond my pay grade. Okay. <laughs> but I guess cryptocurrency is here to stay. It's not government controlled or regulated, which is also an interesting factor. So we'll see how long it takes for governments to get involved. And it's a global phenomena. So we'll see, you know, just exactly how that works. Maybe we'll get to use it to buy things on Mars. Who knows? <laughs> but, but here's the bad part. Like, didn't some guy lose hundreds of thousands of dollars because he forgot his password? Yeah, I heard about that. Of cryptocurrency. Yeah, that's... <laughs> you better, you better write it down in a couple of That's pretty places. important. Otherwise, you can't get your money. So anyway, well... <laughs> Hey, bringing Bitcoin into the mainstream, I guess we'll see what happens. So while we're talking about mainstream, I think it's time to talk a little bit about Fireside. For those of you who haven't heard my explanation before, Fireside is the first video directory of small business. And right now I'm doing video interviews of small businesses, putting them on my YouTube channel and website and growing it. And when I get to a certain point, I'm going to start marketing it which I haven't, but people have been marketing their own videos anyway. And of course, to scale, eventually I won't be doing all the interviews. I'll be just soliciting videos from people to put on the site. But to put them on the YouTube site, I need the original. And, and YouTube is really a powerful search engine right now, owned by Google, as you know. So I want to go back to something that Sarah said. So I was talking to somebody last week and they were like, you know, I'm not sure you're doing your YouTube thumbnails right. These custom thumbnails you're doing for your videos. You might want to consider doing them this way. And I thought about it and I asked a couple of people and I kind of feel like I agree with them. So, I mean, I really took it to heart and some other things he said too. And I was like, you know, you really do need an outside look at what you're doing. And you really do, as Sarah said, need to be receptive because if he's thinking that there are probably other people thinking it too. Now, moving on. Okay. So I may be changing the way I do laundry. I think I will be after this. I know my daughter will be because she has to go to a laundromat. So Bernard Law and Angie Tran have kind laundry. And there are so many good things about this. I can't even begin to say. So please tell us about your company. Thank you for having us on the show. We're super happy to be here. Um, so our company, Kind Laundry, our mission is to eliminate single-use plastic laundry detergent jugs. For those that don't know the plastic crisis that we're facing right now, in the U.S. alone, we actually dump approximately 1 billion tons of plastic into the ocean every single year. So to put that in, into perspective, if you look at a worldwide scale, that is approximately one garbage truckload of plastic that gets dumped every single minute into the ocean. For those that are like, okay, you know what? I, I don't really care about the environment. It doesn't really affect me. Well, it actually does affect everyone because every single piece of plastics that ever been produced ever in history, it stays in this world forever. It doesn't decompose, it doesn't go anywhere. And they turn into something called microplastic. So what microplastic is, is plastic that stayed in the ocean and they turn into these little micro beads that you don't even see a lot of times. And then they get into the food you eat, the water that you drink, sometimes even in the air that you breathe. So people are actually consuming these plastic into their system on a daily basis and you don't even know it. For us being in the laundry category, so if you look at your home, whether that's your kitchen, your bathroom, you probably own a eco-friendly product already, or you can maybe think of an eco-friendly alternative. But for some reason, when you look at your uh, laundry room, it seems like that category hasn't really changed much in the past century. You know, everybody's still using that same old plastic detergent jug. And it seems like there's really no alternative. And as a laundry category, you know, if you look at this from a CPG perspective, it's really a dinosaur of a category that hasn't evolved. So Kind Laundry is here to 
offer consumers an eco-friendly alternative and a detergent that's much safer to use. And then it's also lighter weight to handle as well. But I guess I'll turn it over to my partner, Angie, here to talk a little bit more about what Kind Laundry is. Yeah, so traditional detergents actually contains more than 25 toxic ingredients. Most people don't know this. That's actually harmful for the planet, your laundry and the health. And they're actually made up of 90% water and the rest is surfactants. And they're actually unnecessary surfactants. So that's kind of like UV brighteners, dyes, and suds that gives you the illusion that's cleaning your clothes better, but it's actually not. Most companies put them into their formulation for marketing purposes. So for instance, like green and blue subconsciously makes people think the color that is going to clean your clothes better, or if they add more suds or foam into the detergent and you mix it with water and it's a bit more bubbly, they think it's cleaning your clothes better but it's all just for marketing purposes. So for us, we only have four simple ingredients and we take out all the unnecessary surfactants and we have the same, if not stronger, clean power than conventional detergents as well. Another thing too, is that most detergents that you see in the big box retailers, if you look at the back of the label, they don't have the ingredients at the back and that's because it's not mandatory. Whereas we're very transparent of what we put into our formulation. So it's a sheet. Yes. So it looks like a dryer sheet, but it's for the washing machine and it's biodegradable and dissolved so once the sheet hits the water, it just biodegrades and it dissolves in the water. So you can actually put them into your washing machine, front loader, side loader, or you can just put them in a bucket with water if you hand wash. So it's very easy to use. That's amazing. And I'm amazed to hear that the laundry detergent companies are faking <laughs> us out, making us think our clothes are cleaner than they really are. Are our clothes really dirtier than we think they are? <laughs> I can see people using this in laundromats. Or like my daughter, she has to haul her laundry down two or three flights of stairs. This is such a huge saver and, and less room in her apartment, like people that live in loss. This is brilliant, uh, really. I, I think this is very innovative product. Where are you selling these? We currently sell them on our website, kindlaundry.com, but we're working with a lot of retailers right now as well. We're about to get onto Amazon. We're on Etsy as well. So we're all over the internet and uh, we're just slowly making our way around brick and mortar stores. Going back to your point, we take a lot of inspiration from, I guess, a lot of beauty brands out there as well. Because again, same with the beauty category, you know, your, your skin is, is your biggest organ in your body. So a lot of things that you put on your body, it actually gets absorbed into your body. So with laundry detergent, it's the same thing. You know, more than half of your body is covering clothes when you sweat you're actually bringing in a lot of those toxic ingredients that's stuck in your clothes and it actually brings it into your body. So that's where the inspiration really came from is to, you know, offer consumers a healthier alternative. And of course, you know, most of our customers, they are looking for an eco-friendly alternative. There's a lot of eco brands out there. Obviously, we're not going to name names, but they greenwash a lot of products as well that people don't really talk about. But for us, we're completely 100%, you know, zero waste and our ingredients are super clean. I have so many questions. <laughs> uh, first of all, is it patented? I stole Richard's question. Okay. I wasn't <laughs> yeah, going to ask. Yeah, it's still in the but... process. We're, so we're in the process of trademarking. It does take a while. Uh, we're in like month six. So we launched August 2020. And we're also in the process of getting patent as well. So every single time we launched, actually when we launched in August, we completely sold out. We thought we had six months worth of inventory, but we wiped out inventory. It was a good thing and a bad thing because we were getting so many reorders. So like retailers and customers had to wait three months for us to get our next batch. But then during that time, we were doing surveys with our customers to kind of ask them for their feedback and see what else they want to see. Overall, it was good feedback, but they wanted like a scented version because the one we launched, our first SKU had no scent. And we were adding like a secret ingredient in our next batch as well. So we're constantly innovating. And where do you produce and where do you ship from? So we have a couple products in our store. The detergent sheet specifically is produced in China. So we work very closely with a manufacturer and their chemist. So we actually worked before this whole process, we interviewed 30 different manufacturers. So that the one we used is the one that has the best team of chemists and ingredients. So they're from China and also our upsell products like our vegan steam remover bars are made in Canada. So only shipped from Canada. You don't have a U.S. distributor. No, yet. not yet. I was just going to make a comment about looks like you're saving people money, too, because I see it's like 20 bucks for a box and you get it looks like 60 loads of laundry out of it or versus if in the bottle in the store. I think you only get an average of 32 loads out of an average bottle that costs 20 bucks. So it's like, you're almost cutting it in half. 
the cost of doing laundry. The other thing is that those plastic bottles are made from hydrocarbons, which come from oil. So you're really saving the planet in a couple of ways there. I think this is just a fabulous product. Do you have studies of how clean it actually gets your clothes? And I guess what you're saying too, is that there isn't like a lot of residual detergent in the clothes like there is with a normal soap, right? Yeah, that's correct. We know for sure it does work because we tested it many times and we have thousands of customers that have given us feedback, especially mommies that's their biggest demographic where poopies and puke from their babies is very tough to get rid of. Mm -hmm. And they would actually send us pictures. So if you go on our Instagram, you know, social media, people are very transparent, honest about their, their experience with the products. So that's what we're kind of proud of our community. And, you know, like Sarah touched upon celebrities endorsing your products. So for us, we work a lot with micro influencers, just real people with very engaged communities where we would gift our product or send our product out to for free. We never pay for it and then have them experience it and give us their honest feedback and share that on Instagram as well. Remember listeners, it is PTP15, kind laundry, revolutionary, I think. So everybody's going to be doing laundry in a new way soon. So does so PTP stand for passage to profit? <laughs> No. <laughs> I figured that out all by myself. But why 15? That's the other. Have you That's been on 15%? 15%, right? Oh, is that what the discount is? Yes. You guys are pretty smart. I do most of the out. shopping. Anyway, unfortunately, we have to come to a close with this segment, but this is an exciting new product that I think is going to be homes all over the world before long. So you are listening to Richard and Elizabeth Gearhart on Passage to Profit, the Inventor Show on WOR710, the voice of New York. We will be right back after this message. Hi, I'm Lisa Askley's the Inventress, founder, CEO, and president of Inventing A to Z. I've been inventing products for over 38 years, hundreds of products later, and dozens of patents. I help people develop products and put them on the market from concept to fruition. I bring them to some of the top shopping networks in the world, QVC, HSN, Evine Live, and retail stores. Have you ever said to yourself, someone should invent that thing? Well, I say, why not? make it you. If you want to know how to develop a product from concept to fruition the right way, contact me, Lisa Askeles, the inventress. Go to inventingatoz.com, inventingatoz.com. Email me, lisa at inventingatoz.com. Treat yourself to a day chock full of networking, education, music, shopping, and fun. Go to my website, inventingatoz.com. Passage to Profit continues with Richard and Elizabeth Gearhart. If you missed it, go to our podcast or our YouTube channel, Passage to Profit Show. Absolutely. And where can they find our YouTube channel and podcast? Passage to Profit Show. So on YouTube <laughs> and on iHeart Podcaster. So. Yeah, I actually, I didn't know. So I'm glad you answered that question for me. So coming up next, we have Sam Cayucci from One Huddle, and he's been on Passage to Profit before. He trains people using sophisticated gaming software, which is a really unique approach. Sam, why don't you tell us what you've been up to since you were on Passage to Profit? last time. Sure. Thanks for having me. You know, it's wild. Just about a year ago, we were lucky enough to close our Series A financing. One Huddle is a tech startup, but we turn workforce training that is traditionally not the most exciting stuff for people to sit through, go through, be forced through, depending on your perspective. We take all that stuff and we have a platform where you can turn it into mobile games. And pre-COVID, we were ramping up to raise our Series A and we closed our Series A financing at the beginning of 2020 and really set us up to be able to forge forward. The process was, uh, again, even pre-COVID, the challenges around keeping employees not just skilled up, but connected is one that has only gotten more challenging. So to say the last year hasn't been you know, an even more wild ride for us as we've tried to adapt and adjust to make our product help the workforce is definitely true. I would think now that because of the virtual workforce, your product would be even more valuable now because it allows people to work independently, right? Sure. I think there's, for us, there's two sides to the coin. On one hand, about a third of our customers are in retail, hospitality, restaurants. We made a purposeful choice to impact workers that are on the edges of our workforce that don't traditionally get access to job training. And when COVID happened, that group needed us more than ever, but their brands couldn't necessarily pay at the moment. So no. on one hand, our product, we saw a 13 fold increase in gameplay in Q3 over Q3 of 2019. So 
major surge in usage as folks who are either employed or unemployed or using us to find their next opportunity or get skilled up in the meantime. But it's good that we did the raise in all transparency because it allows us to sort of continue to try to do good things and grow the business at a time when as employees get cut, HR teams get cut. So, you know, Zoom is an outlier, kind of the learning, the, the video products are an outlier in the surge of tech. A lot of HR tools today are in trouble because of the fact that HR teams maybe don't have money to allocate to job training. Wow. I love that term skilled up. And I think one thing that you're bringing to the workplace is, as you know, you can't just sit on the skills that you have because everything's always changing and you have to constantly self-educate or educate through your company just to keep up with what's happening now. I mean, nobody was on Zoom. Well, we were. We had remote workers and we were on Zoom. A handful of companies were. Now everybody's on Zoom. So everybody had to skill up to learn Zoom, right? Sure. Yeah. We talk about the future of work. You know, that's a, probably a buzzword term that we've all heard a lot. Well, we say the future of work is no longer in the future. It just got <laughs> accelerated a ton. And companies, just like we think of building roads and bridges and infrastructure for cities, I think we learned that our human infrastructure and use of tech to keep workers ready failed. Like we were not as ready as we should have been. I mean, just take what's been happening in schools as an example. And most workforce tech emerged out of education. So if education is failing, the workforce is doing worse from a HR technology than academia is. Wow. Right. What are some of your pivots here? And what are you doing to try to continue to penetrate the markets that you want to penetrate? There's a lot of things that got a lot of startups and uh, that you all have talked to have been trying to do to be creative and keep going and uh, testing a lot of different things and iterating. But one of the things I'm probably most proud of is the work we've done on the social impact side of our business. We've We've made it a point that as most people get left behind, One Huddle is not going to be a part of that unfortunate spillover effect. We're going to lean in. We're not going to lean back. So I'm probably most proud of the work we've done with organizations. And we have Michelle Joseph here today from SCAP. We're really proud of the work we've done in, for example, the city of Newark, who's used our platform to keep out-of-work workers work ready. The work we've done with SGAP and a few other great organizations, including Saving Jane, the New Jersey Coalition Against Human Trafficking. We've used our app in ways to keep uh, organizations connected to the most important social issues for their people and their workforce. January was Human Trafficking Awareness Month. We work with a large number of hotels, restaurants, sports stadiums, who, again, uh, the work that organizations are doing around trafficking and education around forced labor, online grooming, a lot of the very important issues that aren't always showing up in an HR training manual. We've been able to partner and work with these organizations to help them on their initiatives on the ground with our game platform, but also level up the organizations we work with who maybe don't have access to content around these really important areas. Right. And I think one of the true genius pieces of what you're doing is everybody loves to play games and loves to play games on their phone and loves to play video games. Mm -hmm. And so you've taken what could be really boring and turned it into a game. And so there's instant reward, you get to the next level, whatever. So it's much more appealing for people to have to learn some of these difficult topics, quite honestly. Sure. It, there's a lot of proof that serious games are really powerful vehicles to share information and change perspectives. I would say that some of our best games that we've released over the last few months, either in partnerships or on our own, have been for February, we launched over 40 games on Black History Month on prominent figures, on implicit bias training, on diversity, equity, and inclusion initiatives, on how to be an anti-racist. And the cool thing for us is the companies we work with, you know, they can't say no to us. We just drop the games in their library and their employees play them. So, you know, it's sort of like I've stopped asking for permission. So I've been really proud of just some of the ways that our product's been able to touch on topics about work that are more than just job training at work. So One Huddle is the number one and then the word huddle. That's the website, One Huddle. Sam Cayucci from One Huddle, and we'll be back right after this. There's never been a better time to start your own business. The opportunities are infinite and only limited by your imagination and enthusiasm. At Gearheart Law, we believe the most successful companies all have one thing in common. They start with a solid foundation first. Gearheart Law has years of experience 
experience protecting entrepreneurs' ideas and brands using patent, trademark, and copyright protection. So if you have a new consumer product, a new software application that you're planning to build or sell, or a brand or company name that you want to protect, contact the experts at www.gearheartlaw.com. Our professionals will create a custom strategy designed to fit your needs and your budget. All of our attorneys are passionate about protection, licensed, and qualified to represent you before the United States Patent and Trademark Office. Don't start your project without calling us first. Visit GearHeartLaw.com. Together, we can change the world. Visit G-E-A-R-H-A-R-T-L-A-W.com. This ad has been read by a non-attorney spokesperson. Now back to Passage to Profit. Once again, Richard and Elizabeth Gearhart. We have had incredible conversations today. New products, how to get your product noticed on TV. So if you missed any of it, go to our YouTube channel, Passage to Profit Show, or listen to our podcast on iHeart, Passage to Profit, The Inventor Show. And you will be amazed at what people are doing. We have people from Canada. We have people from the US. It's been a lot of fun. But now... I am so excited about our next presenter because she has been on the show before. She is doing amazing work with the next generation of leaders all over the world. So I'm not going to say too much about it. I'm going to let her explain what she does. Michelle Joseph with SGAP Leaders. Welcome, Michelle. Thank you. It's so good to be back. First of all, SGAP Leaders, which stands for the Student Global Ambassador Program, is a leadership program for underserved students, usually ages 13 to 18. We empower young leaders to take action on real-world problems using STEM to solve sustainability, social justice, as well as environmental challenges. Uh, We've been very fortunate to impact over the short time that we've been around roughly 3,500 students in New York, New Jersey, Maryland, D.C., and Virginia. I think the biggest challenge for us has been, like everybody else, pivoting once COVID hit. Since we work with the schools, when the schools closed, we had to figure out what the next steps were. It has been an uphill battle, but we figured out through our partnerships. We figured out through ways in which we could approach our schools from a virtual platform. And we figured out by putting together kits and delivering it directly to our students and then still engaging them. So it's been quite a ride, but we've been very fortunate and opened up the school opportunities to, to actually different schools outside of the United States, as well as those in our current footprint. Right. So you brought a couple of students on the show on Passage of Profit a couple of years ago when you came on. They were so impressive, the things these kids are doing. So what are some of the things your kids now are doing? Great question. So the three students who came last time were Zula, Brendan, and Ben. They were 11th and 12th graders at the time. Now they're in graduate, uh, actually undergraduate school. And Zula is one of our board members. She came back and is one of our board members. And Ben, who actually has been working with us, uh, he's at the University of Texas. Uh, He went and presented to South by Southwest uh, his app that was really awesome. So he's excited and has actually wrote us back and said without the opportunities through SGAP, he would not have seen where he was going or his interest in starting and developing his own business. That's great. That is so exciting. What you're doing with Sam, who we just heard from, the way I understand it from going online is that you guys are using Sam's product to try to train children to recognize predators online. Is that pretty much it? It is. As I mentioned, what we use as far as students to get them engaged and talk about social justice issues. And when we actually surveyed our students, we found that human trafficking was a concern for them. So we brokered an opportunity having met Sam on Passage to Profit uh, way back in 2019, we kept in touch and we brokered an opportunity with our another partner, Saving Jane, and New Jersey Coalition Against Human Trafficking. And we saw the opportunity because Sam's product and platform really meets the needs for our community, specifically our schools. So the gaming fits in with Gen Z, which is our student body. The actual failing forward, which aligns with our design thinking methodology. So the kids actually get excited and they are engaged and they perform much better as a tool to reinforce what they've 
already learned. So we're excited about the opportunity to educate thousands of kids about the concerns about grooming online and human trafficking. So Sam, can you say a few words about your involvement with the program? Yeah, I'd probably say that the work that Michelle does with SGAP leaders and you know some of their partners is so needed today, given the fact that with young people being remote and sometimes being disconnected even from their primary source of education, programs like this are so critical for rounding out young people. And also, I think it's so important for this level of involvement because it shows for us on the other side of the market, so many large brands and companies, it inspires them to do more as they see organizations like SCAP and their young people that are so actively involved in social justice issues. Kenya? Yeah, Michelle, I had a question for you because we're all pretty much virtual now and we're quarantining. And how are you overcoming those challenges of keeping the kids that are in your programs engaged and, and still being able to provide those type of resources? One of the things we found that was really helpful for us, Kenya, is working with One Huddle and Saving Jane. But we also have another partner called the Global Education Motivators. What we try to do is since they have a cohort of schools that they work with and we also do the same, we try to reach one by providing options for the students to be able to use a variety of tools, some which don't necessarily necessitate that they have to have internet access so that they could participate. Two, finding ways where the kids could do, I would say, positive reinforcement in such a way that it is competitive but fun at the same time. So engaging them, empowering them, listening to their voices. And one of our programs that really has been phenomenal is our Think Design for Social Impact. And what we did is it's working with design thinking as a methodology and the students choose the topic. Our students chose systemic racism as a topic to actually address and how we could become anti-racist. So what was interesting is we created these kits, delivered them to the students directly to their homes, and then the kids came up with solutions with Play-Doh and Legos of how they would solve their problem in their own communities. Wow. Um, so getting their voices, engaging them, having them to work with gamification to reinforce, and then ultimately tally that into an opportunity for them to, what are you going to do in your community and challenge them? Excellent. I know Sarah has something to say here. I love what you're doing, Michelle. From what I understand, you went from just local, a few different states to moving to online, obviously, because of COVID restrictions. Are you going to be expanding now that you've kind of honed in on this and mastered the technology? Are you going to go out to other school districts or states across the country? I mean, sounds like you're building incredible minds and training kids to think forwardly Absolutely. and I just love that. Absolutely. You're on target with what our next strategy is. Because we're finding we could now cross-pollinate from schools obviously in the DC metropolitan area in New York, New Jersey, why not just expand that? So one of the things that we've done is we developed a methodology and a curriculum and course design around climate change which affects everybody all over. So what's nice is we're piloting that climate change curriculum this fall, and we hope to roll it out since there's a mandate in New Jersey, K through 12, for climate change curriculum. We've also reached out to some of our contacts, which focus on career readiness as well as college readiness on the West Coast and the Washington State Seattle area. And they're also very much interested in what we're doing. So scaling is critical for us. That's great, congratulations. So that was just absolutely fantastic, Michelle. Unfortunately, we're coming to the end of the segment. Thank you very much for joining us again on Passage to Profit. And, and that is sgapleaders.org. We'll be right back with a wrap up right after this message. What are entrepreneurs' most valuable assets? Their passion and ideas. We can't protect your passion, but we can can protect your ideas. Trust Gearheart Law to protect your ideas with premier patent, trademark, and copyright services. There's never been a better time to start your own business. Contact us at GearheartLaw.com. At Gearheart Law, we have years of experience protecting entrepreneurs' ideas and brands using patent, trademark, and copyright protection. So if you have a new consumer product, a new software application that you're planning to build or sell, or a brand or company name that you want to protect, 
contact the experts at Gearheart Law, www.gearheartlaw.com. Don't let the wrong protection strategy ruin your business. All of our attorneys are passionate about protection and are licensed and qualified to represent you before the United States Patent and Trademark Office. Don't start your project without calling us first. Contact Gearheart Law on the web at G-E-A-R-H-A-R-T-L-A-W.com. Together, we can change the world. This ad has been read by a non-attorney spokesperson. Now more with Richard and Elizabeth. Passage to Profit. It's been a fantastic show. I feel like I've learned so much. So our guest was Sarah Shaw, and she has Sarah Shaw Consulting. That's S-A-R-A-H. S-H-A-W, consulting.com. If you want to get a product placement she on is the TV. One, she's the one to go to. And then we had Kenya Gibson. Kenya Gibson with a P at iHeartMedia.com talking about Elon Musk and Bitcoin. Pretty, and cryptocurrency. And I just want to put in a plug for iHeart here. We've been using their digital media services now for at least a couple of years. They've made a great difference. They've got a great team. And if you want to be out there, Go to iHeart and contact Kenya. And I talked a little bit about Fireside, the first video directory for small business. And where can people find Fireside? Fireside.directory or Fireside Directory on YouTube. Or they can Google Elizabeth Gerhardt. Yes, if you find me on LinkedIn, Facebook, whatever, you'll see. (laughs) And then we had just like we had so much innovation here today. So a really great innovative product for laundry of all things, like who would have thought, right? Um, Bernard Law and Angie Tran with kindlaundry.com, just little sheets like dryer sheets, except they go in your washer. So you get rid of the jug. Yeah. So they're convenient and they're environmentally healthy. And I do agree with Bernard that the plastic never goes away. So we have a duty to eliminate the plastic as much as we can. They also have a discount code if you want to buy their laundry sheets. PTP15. And 15% is the discount. PTP15. And then we had another extremely innovative company, Sam Cayucci. He's been on the show before. It's one huddle, the number one, and then the word huddle, H U D D L E dot co. So there's no M on it. So onehuddle.co and it's gaming for teaching and corporations are using it. Everybody's using it. And it's really a fantastic thing. And he's doing socially good things and not just training people, but improving social awareness and uh, moving our society forward in the directions that it needs to go. So thank you very much, Sam, for that. And then on the social front, on creating leaders, Michelle Joseph with sgapleaders.org. What she's doing with young people and helping them navigate through the world to leadership positions is just amazing. So you can find her at sgapleaders.org. She's touched over 3,000 young lives, and I think that is professional time well spent. So thank you for doing that, Michelle. Before we sign off here, I'd like to ask Sarah, do you have any comments for our audience before we leave? Sure. I just want to say follow your dreams and that anything that you think is possible for yourself that makes you want to hop out of bed and not be those 15% of the people that Sam mentioned who don't want to <laughs> go to work or don't aren't thrilled to get out of bed in the morning. Find something that does make you want to hop out of bed and I think you'll be really successful with it. Kenya? Yes, I actually wrote down a term that Michelle used and she said something about design thinking with the methodology. And I think that everyone on this conversation in the show today has that kind of thinking, right? From Sarah being really one of the originators of influence marketing and product placement mm-hmm. and kind laundry with, you know, just how you were able to design a new product that's saving the environment and saving people money and, and giving them a healthier batch of laundry, right? And then Sam, you know, with your product, One Huddle, or your platform rather, where you're coming up with solution-based educational tools to really keep companies on the cutting edge. I think everyone is an example of that today, of that problem solving theme. And I just want to say it was a pleasure being part of this conversation today. And always a pleasure to have you, Kenya. Thanks so much for joining us. You're listening to Passage to Profit, but before we go, I'd like to thank Noah Fleischman, our producer, Alicia Morrissey, who is our program coordinator, and Angela Wolf from Angela Wolf Video. And don't forget to like us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Subscribe to our YouTube channel. This is Richard and Elizabeth Gerhart signing off for Passage to Profit on iHeartRadio, WOR 710, the voice of New York. 